Hawkeye Self Storage in Danville has electricity hookups, 14-foot-tall doors, and 60-foot drive lanes, private bays, interior and exterior lighting with 24-7 access gated entry. They also feature indoor RV and boat storage with multiple locations in Danville and one in Pittsburgh. More information can be found by calling their phone number at 317-745-2700 or by going to their website, hawkeyestorageunits.com. This is Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger. Alan is a Hendricks County native that talks with your favorite entertainers. Sights and Sounds is sponsored by Hawkeye Storage in Danville. And now your host, Alan Kiger. This is Sights and Sounds. I'm your host, Alan Kiger. And my guest today is Matthew Nelson of the band Nelson. Matthew, how's your day going? So far, so good. It's, uh, I'm coming uh, from Nashville right now talking to you, and it is hot here, but I am really looking forward to coming and playing for you guys. It's been nice and hot and muggy here in central Indiana. Let's go ahead. Oh, it'll feel like home for me then. Good. <laughs> yes, it will. Well, let's just go ahead. Before we start asking questions, we'll, we'll get this in there two or three times. You're going to be at the mill in Terre Haute, July 28th. Uh, several people on the bill that evening. But you and your brother are going to be one of them, Nelson. It's going to be an exciting, you've never been to the mill, listeners? Great place to see a concert, great new outdoor venue. It's only been there about three years, and they usually have some some pretty good shows there. So, listeners, you want to make sure to get out there. Well, we have to let them know who else is playing on the bill. It's going to be us. It's going to be Nelson Winger. Uh, Who else is on the bill? I think Jack Russell's Russell's Great Russell's Great White. Uh-huh. And you, I, and think I, think, I think there's four bands. That's what I said. I think, I think, I think it's Firehouse as well. Firehouse, so yes. anybody, yeah. Anybody that was into that whole MTV era of uh, melodic hard rock is going to have a really great visit with their memories. It's going to be a good time. Thanks for including that in there. That was that was later down the road. I had that, but thanks for putting that in there. So, oh I, sure. Well, I figure if people are going to be paying the money to go get a sitter and make a night of it, 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 it better be worth it. It's going to be worth it. I promise. Okay. Matt, usually I ask people who their musical influence was, but with your dad being Ricky Nelson, would you put that as you and Gunner's influence, or were there others that trickled in there to make up what you guys do? Well, I think it's, uh, I think our dad's probably at the very top of the list because he was actually in our house making hit music at the time we were growing up. So, especially with the Stone Canyon band, that whole thing that was like the garden party era of his revitalization of his, his career after a little bit of a break. I mean, the man's pulled half a billion singles in his career, so he's kind of hard to top. But, you know, we had, uh, you know, I was a big Beatles fan, still am. Uh, and anything that was really on kind of, uh, more of the, the edgy, the hard rock kind of side of things, but it had to be song-oriented. I, I, I'm a big sucker for a hit song. So, and it, it, you know, it could be anything from, like, you know, Joe Walsh-era Eagles to uh, the Queen, Foreigner, Bad Company, Boston, all this, this, you know, cheap tricks, stuff that I grew up with in the 70s, really. And then I kind of got into new wave and punk bands. So I have a lot of different... Uh, a lot of different people that were in the musical DNA that is Nelson, but I think our dad is probably the, the top because he showed me that it's possible. It's incredible that you said a half a billion singles. I didn't realize yeah. that. Half a billion. That's Yeah, he was uh, second year. He should have been first year, but second year inductee into the Rock Hall of Fame. And, and of course, his career was over 40 years. And 
he's in the top 10 of all time uh, pop music sellers in history. So he's, he was definitely, uh, he was very special. And I don't think it'll ever be anybody like that. I gotta agree with you. And one of the favorite songs that, I know this is about you guys, but one of the favorite songs that he has that, I mean, I love the Garden Party, but I really enjoy, now my, I'm, I'm ahead of myself, so you got, me, you, got me, you got me thinking in it, but I can't think of the, I can't think of the name of the song because. Well, you have to have Hello Mary Lou, Traveling. Well, well, no, we're gonna go, we're gonna go yeah. later on when okay. he was in there, but I just lost my notes of where I was. It'll come to you, that's a okay. good thing. It means we're having a good conversation if you're in your place. I love it, we're just now talking and just kind of feeling it, I like that. Okay, well, you and your brother have had a very successful career. You've had multi-platinum albums. Uh, you've had a number one hit song. You're in a band called Nelson. You've got your Ricky Nelson Remembered, which is a really cool show that I've had the opportunity to see. You've also uh, you've done some scrap metal stuff, which is really cool. Yeah, that, that's kind of a fun thing we do occasionally when we can wrangle all the lead singers from those bands that we were mentioning to be in one band for one night. It's uh, it's really fun. It's like a, a live 80s rock mixtape with the real singers, and that happens very occasionally. It's, it's frankly, uh, people are starting to work a little bit more now that uh, this craziness the last three years is over. Uh, until the next one, right? Uh, so we're actually, everybody's out there with a vengeance trying to uh, to make up for lost time. And uh, I don't know if we're going to be playing any scrap metal shows coming up because honestly, this is the first time that Nelson, my rock band, has really earnestly reformed uh, a show and put something together and we intend to actually go up there and play. It's really been 30 years since we've done that. So uh, it's kind of a special occasion for us. What, what made you guys decide to go ahead and go back that direction? Yeah, well, you know, again, I kind of mentioned, I think everybody uh, has had enough of what people are telling them over the last three years and kind of, kind of wants to experience uh, living and people again. And I think music and the, the songs that we made the soundtrack of our life are, are kind of crucial to reconnecting us to who we are after being kind of locked up and away from people for so long. That was one of the reasons. The second reason frankly, pardon my alarm clock. The second reason, frankly, was that we got a phone call from our agent who said, listen, uh, we need your help. Uh, there was another band that was supposed to do a whole bunch of dates called Steelheart, and the lead singer, unfortunately, had to undergo some pretty uh, 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 surgery, and they, they can't do any of their shows. And I know you haven't done Nelson in a long time, but would you be willing to, to put some, uh, you, you only have three weeks to get it together, would you be willing to put uh, the band together and the show together and fill all these summer dates? And Gunnar and I talked about it, we thought we couldn't think of another wonderful reason to actually put some extra effort into it, do the spend that we need to do, it's like building a new business all over again, and put a show together that we're proud of, which we've done, so that's why we're back. That's amazing. Now, how do you just go out and pick up musicians for that? Did you just call people you already knew? Was it past musicians that have worked with you? It's a little bit of both. Again, what we have to do is uh, we've been doing this a long time, so we know the people that we need to know, really. We're always uh, up for new people, but uh, you have to understand it's not just a matter of finding somebody 
that you get along with personally, somebody that you can communicate with effectively musically, which is a completely different language, but it's also somebody that you can hang with for the 99% of the time that you're not on stage. That's only a small part of it. It, it has to kind of all come together, and then they have to, everybody has to work well with each other. So it's a little tougher than you would think, and I think that's why a lot of personnel moves around. In our situation with Nelson, our original band, um, one of the members of the band passed away, unfortunately, recently to cancer, um, Joey Cathcart. And then Brett Garson, our lead guitar player, is Australian. He's back in Australia right now and runs their version of like The Voice. And uh, Australia's got talent. He's the music director for that. Our keyboard player, Paul Murkovich, it does that same thing in Hollywood. He's a music director for The Voice and America's Got Talent and all those kinds of shows. So he's very busy. He's also the music director for Pink and, and artists yeah. like that. And our drummer, Bobby Rock, is playing drums with Lita Ford. So we had to kind of, uh, and, and he's working right now, so we had to kind of start again. And what we did was we worked with a guitar player, a genius guitar player named Neil Zaza, is a solo artist that has done very well for himself as a solo, Joe Satriani type guy. Uh, JJ Ferris, who's a friend of mine, was in my side project, Red 37. He was in a band called the Tories and Slam and Gladys from back in the day. And the drummer we found through my friend Mark Slaughter, he recommended a drummer that was playing with Richie Blackmore, who was in Deep Purple, a guy named David Keith. So he's really the newest person that we just recently started playing with. And we just played our, our first show in Ohio a few days ago, and it was fantastic. We're really excited about the direction of the, the band and uh, you know how Gunnar and I gel with, with everybody else with our songs. So it's working really well. So one of the things I want to talk to you about we we know what your dad did. I mean, he was Ricky Nelson. Everybody knows who your father was. Your grandparents, you know, you had Ozzy and Harriet. You had the TV show. But since we're doing an interview in Indiana, you're going to have a show in Indiana. I want to key in on your other grandfather, Tom Harmon, who was, you know, has all kind of accolades. I remember him as a, you know, as a younger person. I don't remember his early stuff that he did, but listeners, he's a Hoosier, born in northern Indiana. I believe, and I, I couldn't find facts to verify this, but I'm pretty sure from research years ago that he still holds a track and field record in Indiana. He does. He, he holds multiple records, actually. I think basketball scoring records, uh, track and field records, and I believe if um, I'm going to look it up right now because i got my computer up in front of me, but... Um, his high school, yeah, he still holds records in Indiana for that. He was um, uh, one of those guys that was uh, uh, athletically just adept. Uh, baseball, he was a baseball star, basketball star, track and field, and of course football. He went on, wound up winning the Heisman Trophy in 1940, Tom Harmon, and he went into uh, sports casting later on. He was kind of the voice of the uh, Los Angeles Raiders at the time. And then, of course, had a pretty famous son and Mark Harmon. You know, my uncle Marcus, Uncle Gibbs on NCIS, who was also starting quarterback at UCLA and a great athlete in his own right. So uh, I think it all it traces back to Indiana, indeed. Well, one of the things that impressed me, I think, most about your grandfather, Tom, looking him up, was his World War II record. Um, yeah. Crashed yeah. in South America during World War II, drove a P-38, and... You know, he wound up winning the Purple Heart and the Silver Star. Did yep. did he ever talk to you about any of those stories from World War II, or did he keep that to himself? Oh, no, we, we talked about it. 
quite a bit. I was for some reason I always grew up fascinated with with World War II. I don't know why, uh, especially uh, fighter pilots. And what happened was he uh, he left uh, obviously his college career. He, he went into the Army Air Corps because there was no Air Force back then, and chose to to fly. And he flew B twenty fours. And he was faring a B twenty four as you mentioned over uh, South America, and they got caught in a notoriously wicked area of weather it's always bad there and the plane fell apart underneath them um kind of like a you know rosie the river had a bad day that day and um he was the only guy to make it out of that he told gave everybody the bailout order and uh nobody else made it he actually i think he uh he was last to leave the plane and uh, they say that his parachute opened about 100 feet off the ground he got caught in some trees and the, the miraculous thing about that was he was in the jungle in french guiana for uh, for four solid days of crossing uh, boggy stuff, rivers, all that. He said if it wasn't for his football legs, he would have to he had to wade into to bogs and uh, and kick with his feet to get an, a breath of air and continue to, his walk across the river, that type of stuff. And uh, there was one time he said uh, he didn't know which way to go, and he, he was very close to God. He did some praying, and he went in apparently the only direction that there were any people in and wound up, wound up finding a Coca-Cola can and realized he was near civilization and found a fishing camp and, and they, they took him home. But he had lost, I believe, uh, he was gone a total on that thing, I think two weeks. They sent the letter home and he had lost, I believe, 40 pounds in that time. And uh, then he decided he was going to fly uh, fighter planes and he got the P-38, was retrained and then flew with uh, General Chenault, uh, which took over for the Flying Tigers. And he's a good fighter pilot. Uh, Again, another thing, you know, he was he was shot down in a skirmish after shooting down the enemy. Uh, wound up that they sent the letter home again, and the underground kept him. He was burned horribly in that that one. He uh, he said they poured tea on his legs to heal him. The, the the Chinese underground that smuggled him back, and the Japanese knew he was a high value target as far as the media, and they were after him. And it was a, a pretty ugly thing. But he wound up getting home again. Um, he told me that. Uh, my grandmother had given him a scarf that had a map of China where he was going on it, and that's what he used to navigate partially. And um, so apparently, he said he made a, a parachute uh, a wedding dress because it was the war. Uh, Grandma Nino wore a wedding dress made out of his parachute, and he won the Silver Star for that and uh, the Purple Heart. But they made they made men differently back then. Grandpa Tom was not really he wasn't really very emotional. You know, he was, uh, he'd seen a lot of things and he was a sweet man, but he was just, uh, it was one of those things where to be very personal, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, the Nelsons are different. It's like, Hey, I love you, grandpa. And you know, he'd always say fight up or good luck. You know, that kind of thing. He would never say I love you back. And, uh, he had a, a close call with, with, uh, with heaven once he had a, an aneurysm, aortic aneurysm, and he made it through. He said it was the most excruciating he'd, he'd ever been through. And he'd been through a lot. Um, and he had three more years with us. And I remember that one time I said, I love you, Grandpa. And I just threw And he's like, I love you too, Matt. And it was like I stopped in my tracks. It was like, wow. You know, it took that to kind of connect him with the emotional part of, of the family that loved him. And, you know, he was he was a great man. And uh, he did a lot of amazing things. And he was kind of a titan. And I have to admit, uh, both sides of my family, I'm very lucky that way.
Yes, you are. And, and we're lucky to have men that did that. I'm fascinated with World War II and the sacrifice that people have made for our freedom so that we can run around and, and go to concerts. Again, I want to let the listeners know you're going to be down in Terre Haute, Indiana at the mill July 28th. It's going to be Winger, Firehouse, Jack Russell's Great White, and Nelson. Now, you mentioned you put the band back together. What should the listeners expect to see from Nelson? Well, we sold a few million copies of our debut album, After the Rain. And Gunnar and I discussed this set and kind of re-emerging. From, you know, we've, we've made 15 albums of our own, aside from the After the Rain album. And we just released the greatest hits album on the Universal label. But we decided to put a show together that was going to be very heavy on the After the Rain songs. So we did have a number one single with Can't Live Without Your Love and Affection. But After the Rain, the song After the Rain went to number three on the Billboard chart. More than ever went to number six. And Only Time Will Tell was, uh, I think, number 17. So we had four monster songs on that first album. Plus, you know, people kind of had that album in those loops. So I believe uh, eight of the 14 songs are from the After the Rain album. And we've uh, saved some kind of fun stuff for the other things. And it's just a really great, high-energy, fun show that sounds like us. I think that's the one nice thing about Nelson is between my brother and myself singing together, we kind of created a kind of a trademark sound but I think also our melodic structure is unique to us we didn't want to be like every other band we wanted to stand out and be different and it's worked for us that way so that's what they're going to get they're going to get they're going to get a Nelson show it's going to be fun well that you said it perfectly you guys did stand out I remember those days we're the same age and I remember when you guys popped on MTV and and it was great it was fantastic and every yeah, we, everybody we, loved your music I always say we looked like hot Swedish chicks back then, you know. <laughs> well, you know? you know, whatever works, works. But hey, it worked just fine for us. It was, uh, it was, it was really a, a good time for that. And you know, Gunnar and I, we haven't, you know, we haven't let ourselves go. So you know, you know, the hair's a little shorter, but we're still, we're still Nelson. Okay. Well, Matt, what are your hobbies outside of music? I'm a big car guy, to be honest with you. Um, the, the truth is, if I weren't doing music full-time and so into it, I would have been a professional uh, driver. I would have been into motorsports. My my best friend growing up, uh, Zach Brown, not the guy in the band, but um, he's, he, we used to go-kart together, and he's now the CEO and, and owner of McLaren, the, the Formula One and IndyCar team. And uh, I, I still stay in touch with Zach all the time. I'm going to see him for an IndyCar race here soon, but uh, I was actually... Uh, I, I won a bunch of races, and I was asked to drive a factory Porsche effort a GT2 and a Daytona 24, and I had to make a decision as to whether I was going to uh, quit playing music with my brother uh, and and continue on with my racing or, you know, kind of let it go, and unfortunately, I had to let the driving go and, and choose the music. I thought it was better for, for my contribution. It was, uh, you know, for me, especially being an identical twin, it was, it's wonderful to race. I still love to do it when I can, uh, because it's completely individual when you're in the car, not when you're pitting and stuff. It's obviously a team effort when you've got people wrenching on the car, but when you're behind that wheel, it's, uh, it's not like a band situation where it's, it's a team. It's, it's really, 
it's about you know you and the car and the forces against you and actually thinking so i love motorsports i love collecting vintage cars i think um alan i met you a while ago when we were talking about vintage gtos which i had um at the time you're very kind to help me out with locating vintage parts and i'm still a pontiac guy i, I have a 77 black and gold trans am like a smoking the bandit car and uh it's my anti-electric vehicle statement because i think that's <laughs> nonsense but, but uh, i've got velvet interior and an eight track tape player and stickers on my car and i'm proud of it well that isn't a question of mine but is your, <laughs> is your son into that car and has he already got his eyes on thinking maybe when he's 16 he'll be driving that car the funny thing is, well, yes, uh, as a matter of, you know, he calls it the bandit, and the bandit can never leave. Um, he's very sentimental about cars. For a while, I had a 69 uh, Chevelle Supersport 396 four-speed car, and he loved that one, too. So he made me promise never to sell, the, you know, the Pontiac, and, and that's fine. I had a couple of GTOs. If I could um, show the listeners where I am right now, I'm in my son Ozzy's room. Ozzy's room his bedroom because it's the one quiet place in the house right now is head to is floor to ceiling and all the way around hot wheels cars on their on their j cars hanging up on the wall i am talking he is car crazy i take him to the races and i just took him to run his first kart races and i'm happy to say that my son at eight years old set the track record three days in a row uh for the entire nashville area in a, in a cart he's got the, the quickest lap times his first time in the car so hopefully he'll he'll keep going on that but i think i'm about ready to get him into actual you know uh, gas powered cars and, and and get him get him on the track i mean i was joking say he might be my retirement plan i don't know uh, there's uh, there's it's a dangerous sport but there's a lot of money in that if you succeed so well, yeah, I, I'll tell you. You know, Gunnar and I have done some racing at Indianapolis Raceway Park, and um, you know, of course, we're we're big uh, we're big racing fans. So I have a feeling that my son Ozzy's going to have his first races in Indiana. Okay, I've raced around that track too. So uh, that's that's a cool thing to have in common. Oh yeah. So have you been up here to the Indianapolis 500 with Zach Brown and the team? Um, I haven't been up there with Zach. I was up there years and years ago with Alistair Jr. And um, spent spent some time with that team and the STP guys way back when. Um, got some really wonderful driving advice from Al Jr. too that actually I've never forgotten. But um, I have not been to the, the Indy 500. The tough thing with Zach right now is he's got a McLaren Indy car effort and, of course, the, the Formula One effort. And over in Europe, they get upset when he leaves to go and pay attention to the Indy car effort and vice versa so he's he's handling the pressure very well unfortunately his his f1 fortunes are finally turning around after figuring the car out and uh so he's doing he's doing really well he's a great guy he, you know to me he hasn't changed at all he's still that kid from the valley that is funny as all get out and um i love the guy i'm very proud of him i think he's doing great but uh next year hopefully i'll get to the 85 with him it's just uh it's the kind of thing you make all these plans and then he'll get a phone call and have to go back to the you know, to work on the, the car over in Monaco. That's one thing. He's a very busy guy. Well, maybe we need to work on getting you and your brother up here to sing the national anthem before the 500. So Doug Bowles, president of the Motor Speedway, you listen to my show sometimes. Here we are. We got Gunner and 
Matthew that could be singing the national anthem right there. So we've done that quite a bit of times. It's a it's a tough song. Uh, my my advice to anybody that sings the national anthem: one, make sure you know the words; two, <laughs> start low. You must start lower than you think because by the end of that song, it's up there. And I I, I just I, I always shudder when I see people try to attempt it. And they just start too high, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to get interesting. And I think, I think like everybody does, wait till the end, right? Yeah, tough yeah. song. It is a tough song. I'm not a singer, but it's a tough song just to, <laughs> just to normally sing along with. Well, yeah. let's jump on to something else. Are there any sure. charities that you like to support? Any charities that I like to support? I've been kind of out of the charity thing for a little bit because I've been so busy raising my kid, to be honest with you. Um, he's, he's been like a full-time full time guy. There are some musical instrument uh, charities, you know, that, that are all about giving uh, instruments to, to kids that want to get into music. The James Burton Foundation, my dad's old guitar player, James Burton, started something that we've been working with. And that's... Um, that's awesome. That's a wonderful thing. And obviously, St. Jude, if I'm donating anything or doing a celebrity thing, it's usually St. Jude because they're taking care of the kids. Okay, very cool. Well, I want to ask you some fun questions. You've already answered one, so we'll leave that out. Uh, that was going to be what would you have been had you not been a musician, but you, uh-huh. you, you walked right into it. Number one, name a place you would like to go that you've never been. Now, we almost have to put the you know, you mean, we want to go now, if I could go today or in the past before things got all weird. Uh, uh, I mean, and, yeah, we do that because I'm, I'm probably not leaving the country for a while right now. Yeah, I'm pretty much with you on that one. But let's just say if everything wasn't so wacky and I, you know, trusted people a little bit more that, that make those rules, I, you know, I would, um, for me, I've never been to Austria. And uh, Austria and Switzerland, those are the two places I, uh, I have Austrian blood, you know, so I've never been over there to visit visit Austria, and I've, I've always wanted to go to Salzburg and Vienna. Um, Switzerland, just because I see pictures and think it's probably the most beautiful place I've ever seen. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I have been an awful lot of places. Um, you know, I, I went to China a couple of years ago. That was interesting. Um, for anybody who's wondering, they don't speak a word of English in China. In Japan, you can kind of fumble your way through things, you know, because they kind of study English at school a little bit. You can get a word in here. But it literally was like being on Mars. They couldn't understand a single word that I said. I've never felt more foreign, you know. Um, I'm glad I got over there before these last few years. But honestly, I think, you know, just some spots in Europe I think would be great. I mean, I've been to Alaska. Um uh, I've got questions about Antarctica, like some people that I know do. Uh, there's some weird stuff over there. I don't know if I want to go or not, but I'm curious. Um, and I've been, you know, I love Australia. And as I said before, any of this stuff happened, that was my second favorite place to be in the whole world. And it just got a little bit weird. So we're just kind of waiting and seeing. I think I'm really enjoying being an American at this point and really appreciate, uh, you know, my home country. I, I love our home country. Okay, one, one other question I have for you, and that would be, I've got more, but the next one would be, where did you and your wife go for your honeymoon? We never went. Oh, you never we, went? No, we've never been on a honeymoon. Um, we, uh, I, I, I think because we had both been uh, married to the wrong people before, I think we, we both figured that at some point we're going to do that. We've actually discussed, you know, having kind of a, a, a honeymoon later on, maybe 
be on our 10th anniversary, which we're kind of on top of right now. We've been married for nine years, known each other for, I think, about 13 now. Uh, we just didn't, we didn't come around to doing it. I, I think it was because, you know, we both had, you know, kind of big weddings, the first one, and, and it was just a disaster for both of us. <laughs> we, it was a learning experience that we just said, hey, let's, let's just do something kind of real. You know, so our wedding was in our backyard with some close friends and, you know, I sang her a song or two and it was really a sweet thing. So um, I think the closest thing we had to a honeymoon was uh, a friend of ours owns a house in Martha's Vineyard off, um, uh, you know, on the East Coast. And we went there for about a week and just really um, spent some really serious time with each other. And I, you know, I almost think that we had, and that was right before we got married. It sounds like we had a honeymoon before we got married. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Oh my gosh. Or one of your favorites. Uh, one of my favorite. I mean, I have so many. It's kind of like, what's your favorite song? I, I, I'm not, if you, I if, know, if, if you were going to take, you know, you're going to go plug in a movie, you know, you haven't seen in a while, or maybe you saw it last week, you just like it so well. It depends on the day. You know, some days I'll think, I want to see a Western, so I'm going to put on Unforgiven. You know, great, great movie. Slow burn movie. Love it. You know? Then I was talking to somebody about my old car that I used to own. I had a 66 427 Shelby Cobra years ago. And he said, hey, did you ever see Ford versus Ferrari? He said, well, yeah, I saw, I love that movie. As a matter of fact, the guy who put my car together was Ken Miles' crew chief. And they maybe turn on Ford versus Ferrari last night. You know, I never, it depends on the day. That's the wonderful thing about movies. And sometimes if I miss my dad, I'll put on Rio Bravo, you know, a movie he did with John Wayne. That's a great movie. Um, great movie. You know, I'm a huge fan of anything John Hughes. You know, I mean, he had some un- unbelievable winners, you know, those all those, those things, those movies that we grew up with in the in the early 80s to the mid 80s. And he had a couple of sinkers, but not too many of them. And the fact was, most of those movies, you know, the Hollywood woke crowd wouldn't allow you to do nowadays. You know, I mean, I was thinking about like weird science. I loved that movie when I was growing up. I mean, who wouldn't? You know, you're a teenage kid with Kelly LeBrock and you've got a Ferrari and a, and a Porsche. You know, I mean, it's not so bad. Um, but you couldn't make that movie now. So that's what I, you know, I love about uh, movies and films and stuff is they really are time machines. They're forever. And they do like music, like good music. It connects you with things that you experienced in your life, with your friends and things you went through. You remember a movie, you remember, oh, that time in my life. And I, I think they're powerful and pretty awesome. It just, yeah, songs are the same way. So yeah. every time I've watched you do an interview, every time I've watched one of your videos, um, you've always got a different guitar. See, I, I don't ever see the same one twice that I can think of. Do you have a favorite guitar out of your guitar collection? Mm, well, again, big question. Um, not, not, trying, is- not trying to make them hard, I'm just... Well, I mean, I'll, I'll just, I can go through a couple of them. And okay. I, I'm, a, I'm a collector of, of, of things, distilled it down to a very impressive kind of collection of things that really are either exceptional instruments or rare instruments or definitely have a personal connection for me. Um, the one guitar that I would grab if, if the house were on fire is my dad's uh, 67 Martin D35 that he wrote Garden Party on. That's, that's right by my, my bed. Um, the other fave is, is actually in the Country Music Hall of Fame. It's the Black Beauty Les Paul that he's holding on the cover of Garden Party. Um, that's my guitar. And then I have something that was on the cover of the After the Rain album. It was a, a turquoise, uh, literally painted like 
piece of turquoise rock, custom Jackson uh, bass guitar that Glover Jackson and I put together before our first album. And people know me from that that one instrument. But you know, but the irony there is that Gunnar and I had gotten pretty much most of our breaks with acoustic guitars because, so frankly, that was our favorite sound growing up with our dad playing in the house and stuff. And it kind of broke Nelson. You know, it was the two of us with two guitars going to every radio station in the country singing our songs in the era in the era of Millie Vanilli. You know, we had to prove we were for real. And that was before, you know, Unplugged happened. It was before playing acoustic was cool. And it's just how we kind of did it. So, you know, I, I, I have a lot of favorite guitars, honestly. I think okay. right now, um, you know, I, I, I think I'm down to, I think I have about 30, 30 guitars, maybe, of different types. And Gunner's got double that. So, um uh, it's kind of nice if I ever don't have something I need to make a noise with, I go to Gunner's house and borrow it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. Well, it just popped into my head, the song that I was thinking of that your dad sang, that, I mean, it's it's one of my top ten all-time favorites, and that would be Gypsy Pilot. It's Great just, song. Yeah, sure. it's just perfect. I think in today's world, that could be a hit song. Um, if Gunner and I ever did... Um, you know, people said, oh, you know, we went out with Sticks in Frampton, uh, Gunnar and I did. Uh, we played acoustic between their, their sets. This is years ago, so I think 20, uh, 2004. And we were doing our first show, and Tommy Shaw from Sticks and Peter Frampton walked on stage with guitars, so they insisted on singing Garden Party with us. So, okay, I'll do that. That was like a dream come true. Fantastic. But if Nelson did a Rick Nelson song... That's the song that I would cover is Josie Pilot. I love that song. I do. And uh, I think that uh, most people don't know it, but uh, if you look it up, Rick Nelson and the Stone Canyon Man, Gypsy Pilot, great tune. Um, and there's a lyric in that, and I've never told anybody this, you know, uh, I don't really believe we stick around, but, you know, there is a place where my dad's uh, remains are buried in, in L.A. Um, so basically like a, a marker. And it's a very simple marker, you know, it just says, you know, beloved father and, and husband, and he's by his parents. But if I were, were to change that, and Gunnar and I have talked about it, it would be the lyrics to Gypsy Pilot. And it says, he lived, uh, it said, oh, when they claim my body, they won't have much to say, except that he lived a good life. He lived every day. And you know he saw the sunshine, you know he felt the rain, and he loved everybody, and he hopes you do the same. Yeah. So I think that's what we're going to put on the stone. I, I love it. It's my listeners. It's a staple on my show. It, you know, once a month at least, it's getting played on fun Friday nights. Just oh, right on. Thank you. I love it. Absolutely love it. Well, Matthew, I want to say thanks for taking your time and being our guest here on Sights and Sounds. We kind of got off track, but we had a nice conversation. I want to <laughs> I want to remind the listeners again. You and your brother Nelson, rest of the guys are going to be down at Terre Haute, Indiana, July twenty eighth. You're going to be there with Winger, Firehouse, Jack Russell's Great White, and Nelson. And listeners, get out there. This venue's very nice. It's very simply put together, but it's easy in, easy out. A lot of times you go to a concert and you're waiting in traffic, forever getting in and forever getting out. Bring your own lawn chairs. Can't bring your bag that totes your lawn chair, but bring your own lawn chair. Great venue to see a show. Looking forward to seeing you guys there, and I appreciate you being our guest on Sights and Sounds. And I pray that God blesses you and your brother, Gunner, and you have a successful tour. Well, thank you so much. It's really been nice talking to you, and God bless you, too.
You've been listening to Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger, sponsored by Hawkeye Storage in Danville. And don't forget, if you miss a broadcast, you can hear the podcast at sightsandsoundspromotions.com, where Alan hangs out with music royalty. Hawkeye Self Storage in Danville has electricity hookups, 14-foot tall doors, and 60-foot drive lanes, private bays, interior and exterior lighting with 24-7 access gated entry. They also feature indoor RV and boat storage with multiple locations in Danville and one in Pittsburgh. More information can be found by calling their phone number at 317-745-2700 or by going to their website, hawkeyestorageunits.com.